Hello, and welcome to The Lovely Life with Trina McNeely. I'm going to help you learn to love your life, your everyday life. Not the one you idealize from Instagram or the one that's on the other side of overwhelm, stress, and anxiety. I'm talking about the one that you woke up to today. This is a podcast about learning to live better spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically, no matter what you're going through. Living the lovely life doesn't mean that your life is devoid of pain and problems or that everything looks perfect. Quite the opposite. It's simply learning to find beauty in the midst of the mess and choosing to participate in your life even when it's not going your way. In this conversational and contemplative podcast, you can expect thoughtful interviews, faith-filled encouragement, and practical tips to help you create space for peace and joy today. So listen in, friend, because together we're going to learn how to make our everyday a little easier, more meaningful, and truly beautiful. Hi, friends. Well, today is the last episode before we break for summer. When I think about summer, I think about rest. I think about relaxation, hopefully a slower pace. I know that might not be the case for everyone. This doesn't look like it's going to be the summer of rest for me. In fact, this is a super busy season for me. A lot going on. My daughter's graduating high school. We're making a pretty big change in our lives. Kids are finishing elementary school all the things that I won't list here for you. So I'm excited about today's topic because we are going to talk specifically about rest. I've brought on Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. She's a board-certified internal medicine physician, a speaker, and an author. Her latest book is called Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. I've been learning a lot from Dr. Sandra's book finding out that there's different types of rest and we may be trying to rest one way when we actually need it another way. So listen in to hear what I mean by that and find out how you can rest even in the busy seasons of your life. Also stay tuned till the very end as I have a little message for you. Hello, Dr. Sandra. Welcome to The Lovely Life. Hi, thanks for having me. I am so glad to be talking with you today. About a year ago, we were on a panel together uh, called Peace in the Pandemic, and everyone was sharing different bits of information and encouragement, and you talked about rest, and it so resonated with me. In fact, I remember just tearing up and just every word you spoke really spoke to my soul and my spirit, and so I've been eager to talk with you ever since and to dive into the topic of rest. Yes. Well, thank you for that. I love hearing that. Yeah. Would you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, what you do, about your work? Well, I'm an internal medicine physician. I've been in practice for about 20 years. And about 10 years into practice, I started writing. I have three books out. The first one is Set Free to Live Free, then Come Empty. And the last one was Sacred Rest. And the one on rest really came from just trying to recover from my own burnout in a profession that's just very exhausting and lots of opportunities to get out of out of harmony with really God's plan for rest. And so just had to relearn that process and then discover some practical ways I could apply it in my life. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine 
the exhaustion that can come with being a doctor. I'm reading your book, Sacred Rest, and I'm not wanting to rush through it, so I'm kind of taking my time, but it is so good. There's you know, so much information coming from your medical background, which is amazing, and information from a spiritual sense, practical information, beautiful stories. It's just really speaking to me in a time when I think I might be in the busiest season I've ever been in and trying to kind of work through the overwhelm. So I'm really um, loving the book and excited to talk about rest today. Yes, I think it's one of those topics that it sounds so simple. Rest should be something easy, but it is something I think most of us struggle with on some level. Yes. I'm not one to shy away from rest. I am a doer, but I'm not a high energy person. I don't like saying that because I don't want, I feel like sometimes like, oh, I'm confessing that over my life or I'm just saying Mm -hmm. it. But over the years, I've kind of recognized I'm just not like I have friends that they can go, 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 go. And I can't and I'm not happy. I'm a grumpy person (laughs) if I don't stop and rest. But what I'm finding as I'm reading your book is that there's several types of rest and there's a way to rest. It's not just sleeping. So I thought maybe we could talk about that first because you say that sleep is not rest. Yes, they're not the same thing. Sleep is one of the types of rest. Well, it's included in one of them, I should say. So when Mm -hmm. I was looking at the different ways that we get exhausted and the different parts of us that get fatigued, that's really where the different types of rest came from. And physical Mm -hmm. is one of the ways that we get tired and sleep is a part of that physical rest. But physical rest also has an active component where things like stretching or a leisure walk where really you're focusing more on improving the stress in your muscles and, you know, even the Mm -hmm. circulation in the lymphatics are a huge part of that with physical rest. And some of those things like the other types of rest, um, for example, mental or emotional or even creative rest, those things aren't restored during sleep. And so we have to realize Mm -hmm. that when we put all of our kind of restorative processes just into that one bucket of sleep, that what ends up happening is it sets us up for being depleted because we're not addressing these Mm -hmm. other areas of rest deficits. Mm -hmm. I think that's such an important word, depleted. I know I've been focusing on that in my life as I try to become more healthy, specifically mentally and emotionally, because there's just areas where you're depleted. And like you're saying, it's, there's no one thing that fixes depletion that may be in several areas. Absolutely. And, you know, depending on what's causing that depletion, you know, what what exactly is being drained, what energy are you using that's getting to that place of feeling as if you kind of come to the end of it? Because oftentimes our lifestyles and the work that we do, the people we care for, those play a role into which of the seven types of rest you're most predisposed to being deficient in. Let's say if you're a counselor or a teacher or pastor or something where you are working with people and their emotions, and you're having to take on the emotional labor of addressing their emotions. And they may be talking about hard, difficult things, but you can't start crying in the middle of their conversation. There's there's stress that comes with that, with that Mm -hmm. professionalism and and trying to, to stay within the parameters of that. And I think it's important to look at every part of our lives, where places we're using energy that we really haven't evaluated the depletion that that energy loss is causing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you talk about these seven types of rest, you have an amazing tool. Will you tell the listeners a bit about it? Yes. Yeah, so at restquiz.com, we have a, a free assessment that allows you to be able to determine which of the seven types of rest you're most deficient in. Because the number one question I tend to get is, am I supposed to address all seven of these things at one time <laughs> yeah. when you learn about them? But most people, they're not de- severely deficient in all seven. They have all seven. Mm-hmm. They're using them throughout their life and their day. But mm-hmm. normally we've already developed some natural coping mechanisms to restore yeah. some of these just out of necessity. We, we realize we have to restore them just to be able to function. And then there's usually one or two that maybe you weren't even aware of, or you haven't identified how you use that type of energy in your life. So then you're not being intentional about restoring the energy that you're expelling. And so that's what the quiz helps you do. Identify your levels of deficiency in each of the seven or your levels of success. Mm -hmm. And then that way you can put your attention on just focusing on the ones of your greatest rest deficit. Mm -hmm. I love that. I took the quiz and I found it extremely thorough and I wasn't completely surprised with my results because I've been doing a lot of this work in my life, but it just, it really helped me to see, okay, this is definitely where I still need to focus and, and why is it that? So mine came out the highest too, and they were kind of high as far as your numbers ranked, were emotional and mental. Mm-hmm. And that's very common, the mental one specifically, because Honestly, so many of us, we, we're constantly thinking, <laughs> some of us are overthinkers, yes. but we're constantly That's thinking <laughs> and processing information. And so for someone who's, who's does that, who has just a natural thinker, they're always kind of evaluating that can, that can be one that requires quite a bit of kind of intentional work to make sure mm-hmm. that you are clearing out mental space and you're not doing some things that would actually make it harder for you. What an example mm-hmm. I often give is, With multitasking, oftentimes we don't think about the number of tabs open on our computer screen as multitasking, but it is. (laughs) It's a very, Mm -hmm. a very kind of um, subtle way of multitasking that many of us do. And we go on our computers and there will be, you know, 10 tabs open at the same time. And we're jumping from one thing to the next. It's very hard for your brain to clear all of that out when that's your day to day. That's your day-to-day practice that you're doing, and you're not practicing actually how to focus deeply on one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the world kind of sets us up to to multitask. It seems like you you mentioned cerebral stillness. I loved that, and then you said that we can actually exhaust our brain cells. And I had to laugh out loud because I thought that's me. I'm definitely a deep thinker, a writer. I have a lot going on in my head all the time, and not everybody wants to verbal, verbally process it with me. So I, I carry a lot. I also found it interesting that you said that our minds prefer to settle on negative emotions. And I would love to find out a little bit more about that because sometimes I think, is that just me or am I just not a, do I have to work harder at optimism? But it sounds like our brains can kind of default to that mode. And if we're already pretty cerebral, then we might have a little more work to do. Yes, absolutely. And that's that's the thing. There's the with when we're looking at a lot of these, I like to try to show the connection between the 
scientific as well as the spiritual. So even from a spiritual standpoint that you can see kind of the process of that, the negative thought pattern is an unconfronted pattern. We don't have any accuser Mm. telling us to not think negative. Well, you know, we don't have an accuser saying, don't think that bad thought about yourself. No, that's the accuser of the, those of the faith has no problem with you thinking negative thoughts about yourself. So it's an unconfronted path. However, when you start trying to think positive or think in alignment with God's word or in alignment with scriptures, that's a confronted path. That's why we have to actually discipline our thoughts and, and train ourselves to actually persist despite the resistance we get when we're trying to think those positive thoughts. Yes. I love that. For me, that's, you know, been the process of renewing my mind. And it says, I think, an amplified to constantly be renewing your mind. And yeah, it's it's a work. What what ways can we mentally rest? What does that look like? Well, from from let me start by what mental rest deficit looks like, because I think a lot of people are experiencing that and don't know why Mm -hmm. they're feeling that way. So examples of a mental rest deficit would be, let's say someone who lays down at night to go to sleep and they can't turn their headspace off. They're thinking about the conversations they had that day. They're thinking about their to-do list for the next day. They're ruminating over all of this information and can't clear their mental space to actually get to that quiet cerebral zone. Or it's someone who Mm -hmm. walks into a grocery store and they're trying to remember three items and they can only remember two. And there's nothing medically wrong mm-hmm. with them that would cause them not to be able yeah. to remember that. It's just their thought processes are so scattered that they can't focus and concentrate. Or either someone who comes home from work and they can't detach from work. They're thinking about work mm-hmm. when they're trying to spend time with their, their family. All of those are signs of a mental rest deficit. So some ways to counteract that would be if you're that person who can't shut your head off at night when you're trying to go to sleep. Whatever that to-do list is or thought process that you're kind of ruminating over to practice something we call brain dumping or mind dumping is just having something concrete, whether it be a notepad, post-it note, journal, you you get to pick what Mm -hmm. it is. It could technically even be the notes section on your phone, but someplace where you deposit that information so that your brain doesn't feel like it has to take responsibility for remembering it. Because when you're ruminating mm-hmm. over information like that, it it goes the brain goes back to the same response it had when you were in grade school, ruminating over information. Rumination is how we mm-hmm. study something that we want to remember. So if you're ruminating over a negative thought that you had or you're ruminating over that to-do list, as far as your brain's concerned, this is something that I have to remember. When you write it down, it places it, it places that information somewhere concrete. So now the brain has permission to let it go. It doesn't feel like it has to have the responsibility of holding on to that information because now it's in a safe place. So you can do this with your to-do list. And I highly recommend people who have a tendency to do a lot of negative self-talk. Let's say something happened at work or something and you know it made you feel bad in some way and you're having that conversation over and over in your head. What I recommend is not to write down the conversation Write down how the conversation made you feel, because that's actually Mm -hmm. at the root of why you're ruminating over it. And so then once you've written down what it made you feel, you're actually getting both mental and emotional rest at the same time. In that moment, you're Mm -hmm. stating your feelings. You can then release it enough to be able to go to sleep. 
and then process that the next day with your time with God or whenever you have a time to actually evaluate those feelings. But it's never healthy to try to evaluate deep feelings and pain when you're exhausted, when you should be trying to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting, helpful. It's super helpful to know the science behind the rumination too. But I'm a huge journaler. I've been journaling since like elementary school. And oftentimes what I'm finding right now as I'm learning different ways of rest or to take care of myself is I love to spend time in the morning with the Lord and write in my journal. And I definitely process and write out things that are in my head, which is helpful. But I've found lately that when, when I'm doing that, maybe what I've been doing is what you just said, writing down parts of conversation or things that upset me, which feel good to kind of get out, but then it tires me out in an emotional way. And so I've kind of had to flip my routine and actually do probably what you would say is physical rest and do some stretching, some Pilates or muscle movement that feels good for my body, and then go to my journal when I'm kind of in a better frame of mind to to process the things on paper. Yeah, that's very interesting because I have a lot of runners who mention kind of a similar process and they oftentimes will say, well, is, is running rest for me? And I'm like, mm-hmm. running itself, the physical part of running is not rest. If you're, <laughs> if you're going at any decent pace, <laughs> that in itself yeah. is not rest. But oftentimes it takes the physical activity for, for people who are very kind of over thinkers it takes yeah. a physical activity to actually get the brain to to disassociate from all of that thinking. Yes. Especially for an example with the runner, while that person's running, their brain then is able to focus in on things like breathing, cadence. And so the brain actually mm-hmm. is focused during that time because of the work the body's doing while it's running. And because it's forcing the brain to focus, they're experiencing that mental rest even while their body is physically being taxed. So I think it's important to recognize that these different types of rest are not like overlapping with each other. You might be physically exerting yourself while experiencing rest in another area, one of these other areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So interesting. You mentioned also that, and I, this was right at the beginning and I was like, oh, guilty, that escapism is not rest. I kind of am can be prone to, I think I'm giving my brain a real break if I I like to watch British mysteries or, mm-hmm. you know, sit on the couch and zone out or whatever, which feels like a, a decent, sometimes physical rest for me if I've been on my feet and doing a lot of activities with kids. But I I think I felt kind of caught in that, like, I do have to be careful of not using, and sometimes I think even sleep, especially if you're a person that may have depression or bouts of depression at certain times of the month or whatever, sleep can, for me, sometimes be escapism too. Like, well, it's just all too much. I'm, I want to go to sleep. So talk to us a bit about that. Yeah, I think that's very important because I think a lot of people do that. Uh, they call, you know, their weekend Netflix, Netflix binge rest. I'm going to yeah. lay on the yeah. couch and watch a series of something and that's rest. And you're correct, you may be experiencing some levels of physical rest in that and that your your body might be getting stretched out, legs elevated, some other aspects of that. But the problem is, if your deficit is not a physical rest deficit, 
if the work you've done all week that got you to that place of exhaustion is actually in another area, if it's in sensory Mm. rest deficit, Mm -hmm. then sitting there watching Netflix is actually further increasing that sensory rest deficit without you knowing it. If it's Mm -hmm. social or emotional rest deficit, then being in your house watching TV, kind of an isolated event where you're not talking it out with other people, it's just you and the and the screen is not going to increase your social or emotional rest because there's no outlet which are needed for both of those. And so I think it's important to recognize that although there might be some elements of rest in, in some of these type of kind of activities, that oftentimes it actually is not restoring the place where you need restoration. So we're escaping from our exhaustion with something that actually is just going to keep us further exhausted. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And I can imagine that sen- sensory rest is much more needed these days than when we were growing up. It's just got to be on a whole other level. I find that a lot for myself where I'm just like, you know, my eyes hurt after looking at the screen, scrolling or TV or it's just too much. And you do find yourself like craving, like, I just want to be outside. I don't want to hear any more noise. I don't want my phone dinging or people texting me or asking me one more thing, you know, and it could be a silly thing. And I find that I'm just like, okay, I I just, I don't want to be by this device anymore. I I want to be by a tree. (laughs) Yeah. And that's a great point because that's, that's how sensory rest affects us. When we have a deficit, it tends to present itself as either agitation, irritation, anger, anxiety. All of those are are increased when you have a sensory rest deficit. Your body gets kind of overloaded with that cortisol response from all that excessive Mm -hmm. input. And so really you have to evaluate what are the sensory inputs that I'm exposed to? Because whether you're aware of the sensory input, it's still having an effect on you. You know, if there's Mm -hmm. phones ringing in the background or if you're in a home with kids screaming in the background or TVs (laughs) playing and nobody's watching them, they're just kind of playing in the background. All of these extra sounds are having an effect on your body and your your mind and spirit, whether you are aware of them or not. So sometimes if I have someone that'll tell me, I don't know, but I go to work and I feel fine. And then halfway through the day, I'm just agitated for no apparent reason. I start asking them to evaluate what what type of sensory inputs are where you're at. Oftentimes they'll say, oh, I didn't recognize that the phone was ringing, you know, in the office next to me or at the front desk all day long. But even though mm-hmm. they weren't aware, their body was still responding to that. And one of the mm-hmm. interesting things about that is the same thing happens for a lot of people with their notifications. They're not aware yes. of how often their phone goes off. And the cortisol response their body has when it goes off. So the phone goes off and whether you want to look at it at or not, something in us mm-hmm. almost compels us to like, I've got to look, I've yeah. got to see what it says. And so that yeah. increased stress response, that endorphin release even that happens causes us to then want to pick it up. And if you have excessive amount of notifications, like the social, like all the social media apps on yours and the news app and the weather app you might be getting notifications three or four times an hour. I mean, some people get them continuously throughout the day. And so you have to be aware how that's affecting you and then take back some of the control. You know, I'm not saying don't use social media or don't have the weather app and news apps, but they don't have to be sending you notifications. You can choose Mm -hmm. when you want to engage with those apps. You can say, oh, every morning I'm going to open the weather app, see what the weather is. 
And it doesn't have to send you a notification in the middle of the morning while you're trying to sleep. Mm-hmm. Yes. Having that choice and recognizing it or being aware. Sometimes we just need the awareness. So I, I hope that as people are listening, they might be coming into new forms of awareness on, on something that could be as simple as turning off their notifications, understanding that that does affect the physical body. I I had no idea that it could cause a cortisol spike. Yes, unfortunately, that's something that we're seeing a lot with people right now. And we saw significantly during COVID when it first hit Mm -hmm. during the lockdown because people were getting lots of notifications from everywhere because there was so little concrete information that we were getting lots of information. Then we were consuming, even by choice, more news and We're all online talking with our friends about it. So there is a huge amount of social rest deficit symptoms that came out of that initially, including a lot of anger and and agitation and, you know, irritability and all that kind of proceeded from there. Yes. Yeah. I think irritability is huge. And you just, you, like you said, when you described it happening at work and not knowing why it's, it, it takes awareness and paying attention because you, you might not be aware of why am I so irritable, but it could be just your surroundings and these changes and the notifications and all of that. So I hope this is bringing more awareness to our listeners. If we can chat a minute about emotional rest, you say that emotions are similar to infections, which I thought Wow, I wish I would have learned that when I was a teenager. They're highly contagious. You describe something called emotional contagion. And over time, emotional exposure can lead to fatigue. I know I've definitely experienced that. You used the term a little while ago in the conversation, emotional labor. I just learned that not long ago. And I'm like, oh, like a light came on. Yes, I I do that often. Where it's like you can be think you're relaxing on the couch and then you're emotionally laboring over all the things to do. But how do we how do we emotionally rest? What if we are as I mentioned I'm a I'm an overthinker. I carry a lot in my brain. I have people in my life that are very dramatic. I can tend to be a little dramatic. What do you do if you can't just say, "Oh, you're out of my life. I got to cut cut you out completely." How do we deal with the emotions and find rest and function in a healthy way. Yeah. So emotionally toxic people sometimes are related to you. So you can't, <laughs> can't walk away from them. So yeah, with no. emotional contagion, it's it's evaluating who versus recognizing who those people are. Who are those people who mm-hmm. are the Debbie doubters, as we say, who are always mm-hmm. negative and pessimistic. And you you realize that you are using emotional energy around them, that they drain you. Because as you mentioned, sometimes those people, they may be your boss, they may be your client, they may be your spouse in some situations. Mm -hmm. So what happens is when you recognize how that person pulls on your emotional energy and your social energy as well, then you need to make sure that there are people in your life that you feel the liberty of being able to be fully authentic and to be able to share your Mm -hmm. feelings and that you'll be heard and listened to. Now, sometimes that person might be a trusted friend or another family member. Oftentimes, it may have to be someone who you're actually paying for, like a counselor or a therapist yeah. or you know, coach or mentor or something. But we all need those people. We need some levels of people within our lives. That's the social rest aspect of it, those people who don't need anything from us. 
but who we need to be able to stay in a healthy place. And the emotional rest aspect of that is our own ability to express ourselves authentically, to be able to share those feelings and not feel like we have to hide them or conceal them or keep them in. But we know that there are some safe places to release that. Now, the safe, safe place may be a journal in some situations, mm-hmm. or it yeah. may be part of the brain dump where you're writing it down and then ripping it up so that no one finds it. But you need to have some way of releasing that. That's the emotional rest component, that releasing it, not holding it in, not continuing to carry the emotional labor of it, but being able to release it and not keep it inside of you. Mm -hmm. Yes. I know journaling, I mentioned it earlier, but that has been huge for me. Another thing that I've been learning, I know there's probably some science behind it because I am a person that really takes on the emotional energy of other people. If someone is sad, like it just really affects me. And then I seem to kind of take it on and I have to work through that. But I had read a study about using games like Tetris or just different brain games to kind of stop the rumination of emotional laboring and kind of, I call it like a bridge, like I'm not shutting it out. I know what's happening. I'm not trying to just stuff and ignore it, but choosing, making a choice to not let someone else's emotions dictate my emotions in my day. And sometimes that takes engaging my brain in something else entirely. So I read a study where games like Tetris can be helpful or word searches or things like that. And that's really been helping me a lot. Yeah, that's that refocusing of the mind and and redirecting it down a different path than the negative path or the path of least resistance that it naturally wants to go to. Kind of discipline the brain. Oftentimes say the brain is like a five-year-old. You know, if I told my five-year-old mm-hmm. to have a seat in this chair, I'll be back in a couple of minutes. Not gonna the child's not gonna be in the chair. They're <laughs> bouncing off the walls anywhere but the yeah. chair is probably where you're gonna find the child. The brain's very similar. It it requires a level of discipline to be able to go in the direction you want it to go. If you just let it do what it wants to do, it's gonna jump around because we've trained it to multitask. Mm-hmm. Yes. You tell us that the best time to rest is when we don't have time for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering if you can expound on that and just talk to us about how life doesn't have to stop to rest, that we can engage in it in the here and now during the crazy times. Absolutely. And I, I think the best example I could probably give of that would be when we look at the spiritual discipline of Sabbath and we look at how the Jewish culture actually practices it. Our Western way of looking at Sabbath is that, oh, you have a day that you don't do nothing. But if you look at the Jewish culture, they're not laying in their bed staring at the walls during Sabbath. What they're doing is they're spending time with family. They're spending time with God. They're spending time out in nature. They're doing these seven types of rest. They're taking they're taking mild leisure walks where they're just kind of enjoying time with God and all these things. And so you have to realize that rest isn't just the sense the cessation of activity, but it's actually those restorative processes that actually build you back up. And so that means that you can incorporate it within any aspect of your day without having to go on vacation or take a big break or any of those kind of things. We can start learning how to live a lifestyle of rest. And as you start learning to do that, 
it then becomes easier to understand why someone would want to have a day of rest or a day, a Sabbath day, mm-hmm. a day where they actually focus on the restorative processes. Because when someone tells me that they're too busy to rest, what I hear is, I'm too busy to enjoy my life. Mm-hmm. I'd rather just keep working and grinding and, and you know, pushing it out in my own strength with no trust that God can sustain it. That That's what I'm hearing. I think oftentimes we don't associate our resting with trusting God, but they are highly connected because you, mm-hmm. you rest at the level of your trust. And so when someone mm-hmm. says they're not resting, then in my head, I'm thinking, or my prayer to them often is in, in my secret time with God is, God, help them mm-hmm. to trust you more so that they can release mm-hmm. whatever it is they're trying to hold that you want to hold for them. Mm, that's so good. That makes so much sense. Yeah. I think in today's culture, it's like saying you're busy. It's just like it's just like the first thing that will come out of people's mouths sometimes. How are you? Oh, I'm so busy. And then they list everything off and it's like almost a competition and for who's going to win the medal for whoever's the busiest. And I just, I don't want to live that way. I I can't function that way, but I don't, I don't want to live that way. And I think you're right. And there's something you really hit on there about the trust. It's, it's kind of taking a lot of times not being able to lay something down or let it sit and trying to constantly be in control and keeping all wheels turning, everything functioning. And we can't do that without God. We can't. And that's why I think that exhaustion sometimes feels like such a desperate place because we feel like we have to restore ourselves, but that's the benefit of rest. There's, this is not something that you can, can, you get to choose if you're going to enter into rest, but God's the one who provides the restoration. So the the -hmm. choice to enter in is what we have to make. And then the restorative processes actually come through his, the way he intervenes. Mm -hmm. That's so good. I love this conversation. I know we're going into summer. And so people kind of shift gears in their mind a little bit and think, oh, things are going to slow down. And, And sometimes they literally do. But I hope that this wisdom really helps people to just rest where they are. Like I said, I'm in a extremely busy season right now. And I get caught up in these thoughts of, well, when I, when I just get through it, if I get, you know, through this marker, then the next thing, and I'm trying to stop because first of all, there's things I want to enjoy in the middle (laughs) of this. My daughter's graduating high school. Mm -hmm. I don't just want to bulldoze through it, but also I want to learn to go through the busy seasons well and rest as I go through them do their restorative things so that at the end, I don't completely crash and then have periods where it's like, go, 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 crash, go, 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 crash. I want to learn those rhythms of rest and restoration. So thank you so much for helping us do that. I really, really am learning a lot. Oh, my pleasure. If you don't mind, I have a few questions that I ask all of our guests about their everyday life Mm -hmm. because we're interested in living our everyday life better and rest is certainly going to help us with that. But the first question is, what is one thing that makes your everyday life easier? Some routines. So there are some things that I automatically have programmed into my day so I don't have to make a huge decision and further exhaust my brain. 
sometimes that's like, there's three things I have for breakfast. It's either one of those three. So I don't have to go stand and look in the fridge for 20 minutes figuring it out. Yeah. That's so smart. I know I, one way I know I'm completely mentally exhausted is I just can't even make a grocery list because it's not even going to the grocery store. It's deciding, well, what food do I need to cook meals? (laughs) So I, that's so smart to be able to have routine and limit your choices. What makes your everyday meaningful? Having time to just stop. I spend so much of my life going, going, going that every day I make intentional time to just stop, to just not do anything. I'm not, I'm not praying. I'm not doing anything. I just stop and I just Mm -hmm. experience this day. And I oftentimes will just spend it in gratitude. I'm not, when I say I'm not praying, I'm not asking God for specific things or, you know, running my to-do list through him. I'm really just spending time in his presence and just being grateful for the moment that I don't have to always be doing. You know, an example that came to mind with this was a friend once told me, she goes, we need to be more like trees. And I thought that's a weird comment. (laughs) she (laughs) She was like, no, no. She goes, but you know, the tree in the wintertime, it loses all of its leaves, but it doesn't yes. feel like it's not less of a tree. It's still a tree. It's just being a tree. And I'm like, you know what? That's such wisdom. We need to get to the point where we can just be, whether we're doing, whether we're achieving, whatever it is, we are God's children. If we don't do anything else, just stay in that moment. Yeah, that's so good. I think so many times we look at, you know, having a time with the Lord as a doing and we can shift it into being, being in his presence, like that changes everything. And that's an extreme great form of rest, at least for me. What's one thing that has helped you make progress, whether it's spiritually, physically, mentally, or emotionally? I think just being honest with myself and having grace with myself, particularly as you're progressing through growing in any of those areas, just not getting down on myself for where I'm at at this moment. It's easy to look at other people and say, oh, well, they're 40 and they're out preaching the gospel in 15 countries or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, well, I'm barely trusting God in this one little area. And that's not to do that. Just accept Mm -hmm. that we're all on a journey and our journeys Mm -hmm. all take different courses and there's no race to the finish line. It's just enjoy your journey. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Well, thank you so much for your wisdom and for your time. And I hope everyone just gleans new insight into rest and can begin to live more in rest in their everyday. Thank you, Dr. Sandra. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In fact, I hope you have enjoyed all of the episodes on the Lovely Life podcast over this past year. We have had three seasons in our initial year, and I've enjoyed every single episode and every single guest. I hope that you have been encouraged, that you've been equipped, that you've been enlightened, that you've learned new things and been introduced to new people and new books and new ideas, and that you found rest and help for your soul and your spirit, and that you've learned to live your everyday a little bit better. We're going to be taking a break for the summer because we all need a break. And don't worry, we'll be back in the fall. So I hope you'll join me then. In the meantime, be sure to check out any past episodes that you may have missed to like and subscribe to this podcast as it helps. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, 
I would be so grateful for you to leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again for listening. I hope you have a beautiful, restful, relaxing, lovely summer, and I will meet you back here in the fall.